Well, good morning once again, and welcome today. If, uh, if you're a guest with us or if you're new, my name is Mark. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's, it's good to be here today. You know, we sang a song just a few moments ago, Through It All, and I was just thinking uh, back across this week for some of the folks in our church, this has been a week of great joy and also a week of great sorrow depending on, on who we think of here. And we come together because we have a God who's with us in all of that. God is, even when we can't see it, even when we can't place a hand on it, we have a God who is with us through all that life brings. And so we just say thanks be to God for that today. Amen? You know, as we remember that, we remember that we're not alone, that God is with us, but we also have one another to help us through. That's one of the reasons we, we do some of the things we do as a church. And so encourage you, as Pastor Mindy was telling us about some of the different ways we can connect together, certainly encourage you to do that. She did mention next Friday we're having an outdoor movie night. And I also wanted to say that two weeks from today, we're going to be outdoors as well. Two weeks from today, we're going to have an outdoor worship service. This is the second summer that we've done two different outdoor worship services. And so we're just looking forward to that. We'll continue to live stream for those of you online. And following service, um, we are going to have an inflatable. So anyone can participate. Uh, Jerry, if you want to get in the inflatable, you can get in the inflatable. Uh, and we're also going to have uh, like a pancake breakfast, right? Pancakes and other stuff. So we just encourage you to come and join us, invite some others to join as well as we just worship together as, as a church family and uh, just enjoy some different time together. Sound good? Yeah? Yes? All right. Sounds good. Uh, any of you notice the last few days we've had kind of some, um, some thunderstorms in the area? They have kind of been spotty thunderstorms, but they've been passing through over the last couple of days. You know, I, I spent almost 20 years in the Midwest, and so it kind of reminds me of some of the time in the Midwest. Lots of good thunderstorms in the Midwest. You know, there were those times uh, in my years in the Midwest where the wind would, would blow so hard and you would look at bushes or trees and you would think they were just about ready to get plucked out of the ground and, and just go, go flying. But they don't most of the time. <laughs> and you know why, don't you? It's because their roots hold them in there. Their roots hold them in deep. You know, and the reason I say that today is we live in the midst of a world where there are all of these swirling messages and things that can, can toss us around or pull us up or throw us places unless we are rooted deeply in Jesus Christ. Amen? And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks in the book of Colossians because it really deals with some of this. The, the church in, in Colossae was surrounded with this environment where there were these different perspectives, different cultures, different views, all kind of mixing together. And so they were trying to make sense of, you know, what, what keeps us anchored? What, what keeps us on the right path as we, we walk this journey together? So, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to join me today in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 1 today. 
And I'd invite you, if you're able to, to, to stand and join me as we read God's Word this morning. It's from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. We've done this since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. You have this faith and love because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You previously heard about this hope through the true message, the good news which has come to you. This message has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace, in the same way that it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. You learned it from Epaphras, who is the fellow slave we love and Christ's faithful minister for your sake. He informed us of your love in the Spirit. Because of this, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We're praying this so that you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him in every way. By producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God by, by being strengthened through His glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience, and by giving thanks with joy to the Father. He made it so you could take part in the inheritance, in light granted to God's holy people. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and we say together today, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Six years ago, you remember six years ago? <laughs> six years ago, our family took a vacation to Lake City, Minnesota. Anyone ever been to Lake City, Minnesota? That's right, Jackie, I forgot. Lake City, Minnesota, it's called Lake City because it's located on a river. It is located on a river, but that part of the Mississippi River is called Lake Pepin because there's the Chippewa River that flows in and it sort of backs up the water and creates this lake on the Mississippi River. So we spent a week in Lake City. We actually rented a house with, with Jennifer's parents and her sister and her, her sister's family. And, and we spent time there just enjoying being together, you know, doing puzzles and games and going out in the boat and just all kinds of, all, all kinds of good stuff there. During the time we were there, the Summer Olympics were on. And so we were watching the Olympics as a family in We've been watching the Olympics, you know, off and on for a couple of days, and all of a sudden, my son, who was seven at the time, pointed at the television, he said, Dad, what's that? I looked at the, the television, and I was puzzled for a moment, and then I realized it was an advertisement, and he had not seen an advertisement before. And so I explained to him that this was an advertisement, that there were companies that put stuff on television to try to sell you things, because he was used to watching things like Netflix or DVDs where there are no advertisements. 
Now, there was a part of me that was really, really proud that it had taken seven years for my son to see an advertisement on television. There was another part of me, though, that was, I'm not sure the word, I don't know if it's disappointed or what, but, but I realized that there was the very distinct possibility that my children could grow up without ever seeing an infomercial. I'm serious. Like, they might not know what the clapper is. Or the sham wow, right? They may not know that there is a knife that you can buy that can cut through a tin can and then slice a tomato. I've never needed to cut a tin can and then slice a a tomato right afterwards, but if you need to, you can purchase a Ginsu knife and it will do that, right? Like, I mean, how can you like, I mean, Chia Pets, right? Is it possible to truly live without knowing what a Chia Pet is? Not to mention Snuggies, right? Although that could be going too far because we do have one Snuggie in our household. You know, the thing about infomercials is they try to convince you that if you just had this one more thing, whatever that is, that then like your life would just, you'd have everything you need, right? Like here's this almost magical device or item that will just make your life better than you ever could have imagined. All these uses and things that you never could have have thought that you would have ever needed. That's kind of like what was happening to the church in Colossae. I mean, they'd been living for Christ, but here was this, at least it seems, here was this group or these people who'd come in and said, you know, if you want to be real Christians, this is what you need. If you want to be real Christians, there's something that you've been missing out on this whole time, so let us tell you about that. And there's this temptation for those in the church to say, well, we really do want to be Christians. I mean, is there something that we've been missing here? And that's why Paul is writing this letter to try to help the church in Colossae kind of understand what they should be focusing on here. So in his letter, he begins by by affirming some of the things that they're doing well. Here's a group of people who from the very beginning had a faith in Jesus Christ. They heard the message of Jesus Christ, and they believed, and they have not stopped believing. That's a very good thing, right? They've done a great job with that. And they, in fact, they, one of the reasons they haven't stopped believing is because they have hope. They have hope of the future that awaits them in Jesus Christ. And hope is a really good and important thing because oftentimes hope is what sustains us when everything else doesn't seem to be going the way we we think it should be going. And so they have faith, and they have hope, and he he also tells us that that here's a church who has been loving other people. You know, the faith to which we are called is not just a faith for us to love God. It's to love God and also to love others, right? We see that wrapped up throughout Scripture that really, in order for us to truly love God, we have to love God. God's people. And God's people extends beyond the walls of our building, right? We could, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. 
So Paul is encouraging for all of these things that they've done, but, but they're still at risk of kind of buying into this idea that there's something that they are missing here. And so he, he tells us that, that he's been praying for them. He's been praying specifically for a couple of things. The knowledge of God's will. He's been praying for the knowledge of God's will, for, for spiritual wisdom, and, and also praying for good fruit. And all of these are good things. I don't know about you, though, there was a part of this that really caught my attention. When he said he was praying for their good fruit, he, he was saying that, that he was praying for this so that they could live lives that were worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him in every single way. That was the part that got my attention. <laughs> so they can live the kinds of lives that would be pleasing to God in every single way. What does that mean? Like, I get the big stuff, right? But every single way, does that mean that God cares what brand of toothpaste or deodorant I use? Every single way? Doesn't that seem like a little bit of pressure <laughs> to try to live lives at every single thing? I mean, does this mean, is Paul saying that they should never be able to make mistakes? I mean, is this what he's getting after here? It just kind of seems like there's, there's a lot of pressure in this. So what is, it that, what is it that Paul's getting at here? You know, as I was thinking about that this week, uh, earlier this week, for, for some reason, we were talking about when our kids first learned how to ride their bikes. Any of you have to teach a child how to ride a bike? Yo, know, my, my son had training wheels on his first bike, and he was really fast with training wheels. In fact, he was so fast with training wheels, he didn't want to slow down to learn to ride a bike without training wheels. Anybody else ever experienced that? So there came a time where it's like, listen, you've, you've, got to, you've got to figure this out. So I, I took off the training wheels, uh, but I didn't really like trying to hold the seat and run behind him. That wasn't my favorite thing to do. So. So I also took off the pedals on the bike. And at first I just told him, you know, our driveway just had just a little bit of a slope. I just said, just coast down the driveway. When you get to the bottom, put your feet down. And so he did that a few times. So, okay, now let's start over on the side of the driveway and coast down the driveway and then turn and go down the sidewalk. And so he did that for a little, after about 20 minutes of this, I said, okay, I'm gonna put the pedals back on. So I put the pedals back on the bike. I said, no, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to rest your feet on the pedals and coast down the driveway and go around the corner. And so he sat on his bike, he put his feet on the pedals, he went down the driveway and he started pedaling and he never stopped pedaling. He just kept going, right? Balance is a big part of learning how to ride bikes. But there's another lesson that I, I, I really taught both of my children when it comes to riding a bike. And that was when you're riding the bike, look where you are going. Watch where you are going, right? Anybody else have to teach your kids that lesson? Any of you adults need to learn that lesson? The reason is, is you know, you demonstrate. Like I, I, got, I got on my bike and I said, watch what happens where you look is kind of where your body goes, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Is it true that where you look is always where you go on a bicycle? No, right? I mean, if you get used to riding a bike, you can learn to, to check traffic, right? You can learn to do something. But in general, 
where you look is where you go, right? You follow me there? And you can look over your shoulder, but if you're always looking over your shoulder, you're going to run into something, aren't you? In general, where you look is where you go. And I think this is kind of the idea that Paul is getting to with us here in Colossians. He's trying to call the church in Colossae, and trying to call all of us, really, to live this kind of life where we can please God in every single way, where we can live in such a manner that our lives are, are, are headed in this direction that we're trying to go. You know, in our tradition, we, we talk about this way of living sometimes, and we talk about this using language like holiness, living a holy life, and we talk about being sanctified. And when we talk about this idea of, of living in ways that would please God with all of who we are and in all the areas of our life, you know, we're talking really about this incredible gift of God. As God's Spirit works in us and as we also respond to the work that God is wanting to do in us. And because we're talking primarily about something that God does in us with our cooperation there, there's, there's a lot of different terms that we try to use to kind of encompass the, the breadth of what we're talking about. One of the terms that we've used kind of historically in the church to talk about this is the idea of perfect love. Any of you hear that term before, perfect love? That's a great term, but it's also a, a challenging term. Because a lot of times when we use the word perfect, what is it that we mean? When we use the word perfect, we, we usually mean something without any sort of flaw, right? Something without any sort of flaw. And very few of us would say, you know, when it comes to loving, we never have any flaws. So how do we talk about this idea of perfect love? Well, where we get that from is actually from a part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, when there's just this little statement that says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's this instruction, it's this commandment. Well, what's meant by that? Well, the Greek word behind that is the word telos, which often gets translated perfect, but, but differently than we mean when we use that word. Let me give you an example. Today, I am wearing perfect shoes. Did you know that? I've got perfect shoes. Now, these are versatile shoes. I can wear these shoes with this outfit. I can wear these shoes with a suit. I can wear these shoes with jeans. Not jeans and a t-shirt, but I can wear them with jeans and like a button-up shirt. They're pretty versatile shoes. But that's not why they're perfect shoes. Now, I've had these shoes longer than I want to admit publicly today. And so they do have some, you know, little scratches and scrapes. It's been a couple months since I polished them. So they're certainly not perfect in that sense. They no longer have their original shoelaces. I've had to replace those. They're no longer perfect in that sense. So why would I say that I'm wearing perfect shoes today? Because they fulfill the purpose for which they were created. They fulfill the purpose for which they were created. See, when it talks about perfect love in Scripture, in our, our history, in our theology, what we mean is the purpose 
for which we were created, the, the telos, the goal, the purpose for which we were created here. And so when we think about this, when, when we think about this with, within our, our understanding, what is, the, what is the purpose for which we were created? As we think about love, who is it that we are called to love? God and others, right? So perfect love isn't a love that maybe sometimes doesn't make mistakes, but perfect love is a love that is devoted to God and to others, right? In the same way that you need to look where you're going when you ride your bike. Perfect love is the love that is devoted to God and to others. Can I go back to infomercials for a minute? I really wanted to talk about OxyClean. I forgot to talk about... You know, the thing about infomercials, they try to convince us there's something we're missing in life, right? They're not the only thing that does that, though. There's a lot of other pressures that try to convince us there's something that we need for life to truly be what life should be. We can buy into the idea that if we get enough likes on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or TikTok or whatever the next thing is, if we get enough likes on those platforms, that, that somehow makes us a better person. Or there's the temptation that if we could get the, the right house, that we could just live happily ever after. Or if you get the right spouse, there'll be no more problems for the rest of your life. Right? <laughs> Come back next week. Maybe I'll have to do a different message next week. Or there's the temptation to believe if you just figure out what it is that makes you happy, what brings you joy in life, then that's all that really matters. And here's the thing with that. Having people like you isn't a bad thing. There's a lot of bad things about social media, but having people like you, that's not a bad thing. Wanting to have a comfortable home, that's not a bad thing. Having a healthy, committed marriage is actually a really good thing. Figuring out some of the things that, that do bring you joy and not trying to be somebody else, that, that can be a good thing too, right? Those aren't bad things, but those are not the ultimate thing. You see the difference? They're not bad things. In fact, they can be good things, but they're not the ultimate thing. And the challenge is when we take created things and we elevate them to the level of the Creator, then we're trying to get those things to do something for which they were never intended to fulfill a purpose for which they were never intended. And so I think part of the, the challenge that Paul was wrestling with, with the Colossians was, here are these people saying, if you want to be real Christians, you just, you just need to add this into your faith. And Paul was saying, if you want to be real Christians, you need to know and follow Jesus Christ. The first thing he said he prayed for was for their knowledge for their knowledge of God, of who God is, of what God has done. And this is what he meant by that. I could say, you know, 
I really wish that all of you would know the joy of running. What would I mean if I made that statement? So it means I want you to understand the, the science or the physiology or the benefits of running. Is that what I'm talking about? If I say I want you to know the joy of running, what I'm saying is I want you to experience that for yourselves. Some of you are saying, no, thank you. <laughs> when Paul is saying he, he's praying for their knowledge, the knowledge of God, he's saying he wants them to experience God in that kind of a way. To know God not just in an intellectual way, but to really know God in their hearts and in their lives. So they can put first things first, and then second things second. So they can live in the kind of way where they can know and experience joy and meaning and significance because their focus is on where that all begins. Amen? Let's pray together today. Lord God, we come to you today and we are so thankful. We are thankful that it is by your love and grace that we are set free. We are thankful that it is by your, your love and grace that we can experience life as it was intended to be. And Lord, as, as people who live in the midst of a world that offers us so many different things, Lord, we pray that you would help us to have the eyes to see, to have the ears to hear. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have roots that go down deep, roots that are rooted deeply in Jesus Christ. So when the, the currents or winds of life blow at us, that we would stand strong and that we would experience the, the nourishing gift of your grace and love in our hearts and lives. So God, today as we are gathered here, we offer ourselves to you once again. Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in us so that we might love perfectly so we might love you and love those around us in the ways that you've called us to do that. That's our desire. That's our goal. Lord, we offer ourselves to you that by the grace and power of your spirit working within us, we might live for the purposes for which you've called us. In your name we pray. Amen.